Well, hello, Parkview. Uh, welcome to everyone as we gather online again uh, this weekend. As you know, we are truly one church with literally thousands of locations. And I just want to say thank you today for welcoming me and Parkview into your home uh, this weekend. And as you know, last weekend with Easter was no doubt one of the most memorable, probably unique, strange Easter's uh, we've ever experienced. It's, it's definitely not what most of us had planned, but it's probably what many of us needed, right? Just time to slow down and really remember what matters the most. I want you to know kind of a celebration here. We had 22,680 unique devices log on to the Good Friday and Easter weekend services, which is pretty incredible. I mean, that's already more people than attended all of our Easter services last weekend. And that's unique devices. So think about that's just one person. So on a lot of those 22,680, there's like two people at that house or three people at that house. So you could probably, you know, grow that number two or three times. And then there were also all kinds of you last Easter weekend who were typing and texting in, need peace. And we were working as quickly as we could to get with you and talk with you, but you were also taking care of each other. And there was just a web of prayer for each other all across Chicagoland and all of our campuses last Easter weekend, you know, as people were talking about needing peace. It was incredible. And it was amazing to celebrate and, and just be reminded that Jesus is the light in the darkness. And even though we know that and, and believe that and we trust that Jesus is the light and that he is risen, it's a week later and, and there still remains a lot about our current situation, the world that we're in, that feels kind of dark, doesn't it? I mean, our normal routines have all been disrupted. There seems to pretty much be tension just about everywhere you turn. Many of you have kids who are at home right now and you first imagined you know, that this was going to be awesome. And now you're thinking, you know what? I would probably trade one or two of my kids for like a triple pack of that really strong hand sanitizer, right? And I know right now some of you are thinking, you know, Todd, there's no way I'm not really going to trade one of my kids for a triple pack of hand sanitizer. I mean, maybe a 10 pack. If I got a 10 pack of hand sanitizer, then yeah, maybe one of my kids would, you know, I'm, seriously, no, I know I'm joking, right? Kids, none of your parents are going to trade you for hand sanitizer. But what about you teenagers? I know teenagers, you've always dreamed, you know, being out of school and being home with not much to do. But now that you're home with not much to do, my guess is a lot of you would rather be back at school. And college students, so many of you are college students and, and you chose your college probably because of the social life and the geography and the location of your classes and studies. And now you're at home. You're doing classes online, like in your bedroom or at the kitchen table, and it's not nearly as cool and vibey as your college campus. During this season, many businesses have gone dark and are closed. And some of you are definitely working less hours than you would like. And some of you have a job that you really love, but now you don't have that job anymore. Some of you are sick. I know that. And some of you are working with people who are sick, very close to them. Some of you are worried about loved ones that you can't be near and you can't really go check on them. For some of you, the bills are mounting. For some of you, your marriage is struggling. And others, that battle with substance abuse has kind of, you know, really intensified during this season. And you know what? It's easy to wonder. It's so easy to wonder, God, can you really keep your promises through all of this? Can God keep his promises to provide even through a global pandemic? Well, today, as we 
continue to face these uncertain times, we're going to wrap up this Waymaker series. And we're going to do that by spending some time with Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. You know, the word Jireh in Jehovah Jireh is kind of an interesting word. It's a Hebrew word that literally means God sees and provides. And the word Jireh usually points to the future. In other words, Jehovah Jireh can see into the future where we can't and provide. And that word provide or provision is actually a Latin word. And the word pro means before. And the word vision means to see. So provision literally means to see something beforehand. To see something beforehand. God can literally see into our lives in the future and provide the provision that we need already today. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And to get more insight into this God who sees into the future and provides what we need, I want to unpack a powerful passage this weekend from Genesis chapter 22. Starting in verse 1, it begins with these words. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Everybody say tested. Right there where you are in your home. Don't be afraid. Just say it. Tested. God tested Abraham. Now, can we all agree that what we're going through right now is a testing season in life? And the truth is, most of us don't really like tests, right? We didn't like them in school. We don't like them in life. And the coronavirus is a test of our patience, a test of our loneliness, a test of financial scarcity, sickness, anxiety. It's a test of loss. For some, it's a test of being overworked. And for others, it's like a test of being underworked. It's the test of leading a family or, or leading a business or, or even leading a church through a season where there's really no script and there's really no playbook. We're in a testing season. And just like Abraham, we are waiting on God to come through for us. You know, when Abraham was about 75 years old, he was living in modern day Iraq and Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, made three promises to him. If you want to write these in your notes, God promised a land, nation, and blessing. First of all, God says he's going to ask him to leave his country and lead him to a land that he promises to give him. Secondly, he promises that he's going to give Abraham and his family. He's going to make his descendants into a great nation. And then third, God promises that all the people of the earth are going to receive a blessing through Abraham's family. And it all sounds great, right? It sounds fantastic, but it also had to seem crazy, especially to Abraham, because Abraham is like 75 years old at this point in his life, and his wife Sarah is around 65 years old. And guess what? They have no family at this point. They have no kids. And Sarah, at 65 years old, is well past her childbearing years. Wouldn't you agree? But yet God made these promises to Abraham. So what does Abraham do? In the New Testament of the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He obeyed, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now, I know for some of you, especially you ladies, you're thinking, well, that's not really surprising at all. I mean, my man just likes to go whether he knows where he's going or not. I mean, what's the big deal about that? I mean, that's pretty normal. And, and I know that may be kind of true, but here's what's really important for us to understand. Even though Abraham had faith in God and, and he was following after God, there were still times of doubts in his life, right? 
There's still delays. There are still all kinds of darkness and difficulties that he and his wife had to deal with. There were times that he and his wife, Sarah, disobeyed God. I mean, that sounds crazy, but they disobeyed God trying to take things into their own hands. Like one time they tried to have a son. Since God wasn't giving them a son, they tried to have a son on their own with the maid Hagar. And so finally, they've been waiting forever. They wait for like 25 years. Did you get that? 25 years. They're still waiting on this promised child from God. Finally, Abraham is 100 years old now. And Sarah, she is 91 years old. And she finally gives birth to a son at 91 years old. And they name their son Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Isaac means laughter. And I think they probably named Isaac laughter because this is all so funny, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Having a baby at 91 years old? I mean, this is the only childbirth in history to be covered by Medicare, right? I mean, if they go to a trip for Walmart, they're going to need to buy Pampers and Depends on the same trip. It's crazy. But, but Isaac is this very special son. And I understand that. And a lot of you understand that because God has miraculously given a lot of you very special kids. In fact, this is a picture of my daughter, Ruby. Ruby just turned 22 years old uh, a few weeks ago. And one of the really unique things about Ruby is that she is the firstborn girl in the Clark side of the family since 1832. Like 150, 160 years, it's just been boys and brothers, boys and brothers, boys and brothers. Listen, Ruby is a very special daughter. And Isaac was a very special son. And Abraham and Sarah realized that God is not only a promise maker, but he is also a promise keeper. You see, Isaac fulfills the promise of a family and a great nation where eventually the world would receive a blessing through Jesus, the Messiah. But then remember, Abraham comes to this test. Remember back in chapter 22, verse 1, it said sometime later God tested Abraham? Well, here it is. Here's the test. Very next verse, chapter 22, verse 2. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? Are you kidding me? Abraham has to be shocked. Nobody's laughing anymore. I mean, he loves his son Isaac. How could he even think of offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice? I can't even imagine what must be going through Abraham's mind as he packs up and he takes Isaac to this mountain that God's telling him about. I mean, this goes against every good parenting instinct that God has placed inside of human beings. But finally, a few days later, Abraham sees the mountain in the distance. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and then we will come back to you. We'll go worship, and then we're going to come back to you. What I want us to understand, Parkview, is the way that we worship today is very, very different than in Abraham's day. We must realize that worship during those days always involved a sacrifice. And everyone in Abraham's party understood that concept. And they also knew that as they traveled, they only had two of the three elements that they really needed for the worship sacrifice. They had the wood and they had the fire. But something was missing. In fact, Isaac 
as he's walking along with his dad, Genesis chapter 22, verse 7, he kind of brings this up. He just kind of like calmly says, hey, you know, dad, um, it looks like we have the fire and I'm carrying the wood. It looks like we have everything we need except like the sacrifice. And listen, <laughs> you can't blame Isaac for asking, right? I mean, we all have very similar questions right now, don't we? And we're all kind of saying, hey, God, I mean, it looks like we're lacking something here. Hello? I mean, the bills are here as usual, but where is the money to pay those bills? The students are here in our house, but how will they get the education that they need? I mean, we have the caterer and the photographer and the guest list, but how can we have a wedding? There are so many people who are grieving. Where will the comfort come from? There are so many people that are sick and need to be cared for. But as you know, it's like, where are the hospital beds and where are the ventilators and where are the test kits and where are the masks, right? I mean, just as we are trying to understand and account for things today in our lives, so was Isaac as he walked alongside his dad. That's why he said, Dad, it looks like something is missing. Where is the sacrifice for the lamb? And his dad answers him in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God himself will provide. You see, that, that's the big question for us right now, isn't it? I mean, honestly. It doesn't take a ton of faith to trust God in times of great provision when we all have our health and schools are functioning and businesses are flourishing and we have resources to spare. But it does take a lot of faith to keep trusting God to provide during times of doubts and, and delays and darkness and that sort of thing. The Bible goes on to say in Genesis 22 that when they got to that place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. And then he took the wood that his son was carrying and he placed it up on the altar. And then it says that Abraham took some ropes. Can you imagine this? He took some ropes and he tied up his son. He bound up his son and he placed him up on the altar. And then he stretches out his hand with a knife in order to make the sacrifice. Can you imagine Parkview? Can you imagine the thoughts that must be running through Abraham's mind at that point? It's like, hello, God, where are you? Do you see what's getting ready to happen here? God, are you going to provide, right? And what about Isaac? Dad, are you sure about this? I mean, Dad, this doesn't look good. And take a look at what happens in verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I think he said that pretty quickly, by the way. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Then in verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And now, the very next verse is the moment we've been waiting for. This very next verse is 
the way this whole study today has been building towards. This is what we've been coming to in this whole study. Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Look at that phrase again. The Lord will provide. Let's just leave that verse up on the screen for a moment. Remember this word, Jehovah Jireh. Again, it means the God who sees and the God who provides. God is not only a promise maker, but God is also a promise keeper. And Jehovah Jireh somehow sees what Abraham and Isaac need, so he provides a ram that gets caught by its horns in the thicket. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he sees what they need, so he provides this ram like a substitute sacrifice. And I know right now, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're thinking, Todd, this is great. You know, I, I haven't heard all this story, or maybe I've heard some of this story before, and Todd, this is great and fantastic. And, but here's the thing, what in the world, I mean, honestly, what in the world does any of this have to do with us today? What does this have to do with people who are in the midst of like a global pandemic right now? Well, here's what I want us to realize. There's a literary device that God is using in this story. It's called foreshadowing. It means that God is like giving us a hint. He's foreshadowing something that is to come. And here's what's truly amazing. Here's the amazing thing. You know that mountain where Abraham was prepared to offer Isaac on Mount Moriah? Well, many, many years later, they built a city on that same mountain, Mount Moriah. And you know the name of that city? The city's name, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That should be pretty familiar with the last couple weeks we've experienced through Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. I mean, think about this. On Palm Sunday, a few weeks ago, as we celebrated, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And Jesus is the Lamb. He's the substitute sacrifice. Jesus is the one who takes away the sins of the world. And he comes riding into Jerusalem, the same town that is built on Mount Moriah, where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. Is that crazy? Is that unreal? You know the story. Just a few days later, Jesus was betrayed by some of his closest friends. He was in a trial that was kind of like a kangaroo court. They falsely accused him of blasphemy, and they spit in his face, and, and Pilate ordered him to be beaten and to be flogged. And then, remember this, then Jesus makes his way to Golgotha, which is that same mountain where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. And they nailed Jesus to the cross. You see, Jesus paid the price that, that you and I could never pay. Jehovah Jireh sees and provides a Savior that will be for all people. And by doing that, he fulfills his promise to Abraham that the world will be blessed one day through his family. Listen, we have a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, Jehovah Jireh. And that's clear throughout the Bible. As we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament of the Bible, we see even more of this same thing. There's this guy named Paul. He wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament of the Bible. But did you know that he was actually quarantined 
when he wrote some of these books? Paul writes this book called Philippians, and he is actually quarantined in a Roman prison cell. And take a look at what Paul discovers about Jehovah Jireh. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He'll meet all your needs. Now notice what this says, Parkview. It doesn't say that he'll meet all of your wants. It says he'll meet all of your needs. A lot of times what we want and what we need can be two very different things. But Jehovah Jireh will meet all your needs. So what exactly does that include? Well, first of all, it includes your physical and material needs. Just to put it very simply, God loves you so much that he is already right now working behind the scenes. And though we don't always see him working, he is working to arrange for his infinite resources to intersect with your life. Believe me, he sees your life and he knows what needs to be provided for you. Not only does he want to provide for your physical and material needs, God also wants to provide for your emotional and relational needs. Listen, God knows when you just need a friend. God knows when you need somebody to listen to you. God knows when you need a text. God knows when you need a phone call. God knows when you need like, you know, a little extra dose of his present. God knows when you're fearful about the future. God knows when you're worried about your finances or worried about your kids or worried about the tests from a medical, you know, result or something like that that you have going on inside your body. You know, there have been a number of times in my life where I have just kind of felt like, there's no more hope. And that is when God, in the perfect timing, has brought a person into my life, or he's reminded me of a promise, or I've received an email or a text that just, you know, it sinks into my soul at like the perfect time. But even beyond our physical needs and our emotional needs, God's provision in our life also includes your spiritual needs. Jehovah Jireh provides a savior who says, come to me, come to me. All of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, and you know what I'll do? I'll forgive your sins. I'll cover you in mercy and grace. I'll provide comfort for you in the midst of all kinds of fears and all kinds of anxieties. Did you know this? Did you know that over the course of the last couple of weeks, the USS Comfort and the USS Mercy have pulled into the ports of Los Angeles and New York. We have pictures of those. They're actually named Comfort and Mercy. That's what the ships are actually named. These ships are called the Mercy class of ships. And they are there literally providing comfort and mercy for people to come and seek medical care and attention in the midst of this crisis. Listen, friends, in the midst of these troubling times, in the midst of this terrible pandemic, we are asking sometimes just out loud and other times in just the quiet of our hearts, we're just simply asking this, can God provide? I mean, really, can he provide? And is he going to keep his promises? And I want you to know, as we ask those honest questions, guess what? God is pulling into port with comfort and mercy. He is. God is pulling into your neighborhood. God is pulling into your driveway. God is pulling into your condo. God is pulling into your living room right now, right where you sit. God is 
pulling very personally right into the port of all of our lives. And he is saying, listen, I have a place that you can find comfort and mercy. And he is the Lamb of God. His name is Jesus, whose mercy takes away the sins of the world and whose comfort will get you through this fearful time. Parkview, what if, just what if, with me for a moment here as we wrap things up, what if we just all decided in our homes, right now where we are sitting, right in our homes, what if we just all decided the same thing? And that is, we are going to trust that God sees us and we are going to trust that God will provide for us. We're just going to trust that God is pulling into the port of our lives with comfort and with mercy for our weary souls. What if, what if we did that? What if we just all decided to do that? Do you think that would change our lives? Do you think that would change our families and our neighborhoods and our cities? I bet it would. Here's what let's do. I'm gonna pray for all of us in just a moment. But before I pray, if you would just get some quiet, maybe bow your head if you feel comfortable with that. And let me just ask you a couple questions to think through. The first would be this, what is, what is God saying to you right now based on these things we've been studying today? What's he saying to you? Where do you need God's mercy in your life? Where do you need God's comfort in your life? Maybe you need God to provide for your financial needs. Maybe that's like at the front of your mind all the time, your financial needs. Maybe it's your relational needs. Maybe it's your spiritual needs. Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus today and put your faith in him. If you want to do that, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, just let us know. Send an email or if you're on one of the formats like Facebook where you can type in that chat, just type into that chat box, I want to trust Jesus today. I want Jesus to provide for me. I want to trust Jesus with my life. If you type that into the box, we're going to get with you and we're going to talk with you and we're going to be able to pray with you about how you can put your trust in Jesus. Now, let me just pray with us for a moment. If you would, if you feel comfortable, bow your heads with me today. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time to study. And God, we trust that you can see us and we trust that you can see this world. God, we know, we're confident that you're not looking down upon this world or on our lives surprised. You're not shocked by what's happening. You see what's happening. And God, because you can see what's happening, we know that you can and you will also provide for us. You are not only a promise maker, but you are a promise keeper. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides for our lives. God, thank you so much for your provision. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.